Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. Our scripture for today is Psalm chapter 2. There's also a black Bible in front of you, page 418, if you want to follow along. So my name is Josh Cook. I am married. Uh, My wife, Trish, and the six kiddos that we have are all sitting over there. Uh, We do homeschool. Uh, Trish is homeschooled since day one. Um, She's a great wife, mother, and she's very embarrassed, I'm sure, right now. Um, But we do serve in the children's ministry uh, behind those doors. There's uh, Trish, myself, and three of our oldest serve. And then I believe the fourth is graduating today, so he'll probably start serving with us as well soon. Um, So... Just as an FYI, uh, if you do have children that uh, attend the children's ministry this next um, in the second service, um, and they're in my class, um, and you randomly see them jump over empty kind of the doorway, um, that is probably my fault. Um, I may or may not have told them there's invisible lasers at the bottom of that door. We started attending the door uh, church the first weekend this location opened. So actually, it's two years from this month ago we started attending. Um, and we've been covenant members for roughly a year now. So again, Psalm 2, page 418 in the Black Bible. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is God's word. Thanks, Josh. Um, Y'all don't have a lake house either, I guess. Um, So that's cool. Uh, I'm Brad. I'm the campus pastor here. And um, I'm delighted that we are are looking at the Psalms this summer. You will notice as the weeks go on that, that some of our older little ones will be in here with us. So that's by design. Uh, in TDC Kids, which uh, Josh faithfully serves in and with, with Trish and his family, uh, is not child care, but it is gospel ministry. And what we want to do is give some rest to those workers um, and to have them come in. So second graders through fifth graders should be in here. And as we, we look at the Psalms, this is an appropriate time because 
the Psalms are, are what give us voice to our praise. And they, they teach us to pray as well. And I don't know if you've read the Psalms before, but, but if you haven't, um, reading them and even what Josh just read, you might read that and, and, and be like, well, what does that mean? Well, don't read it like an engineer. Read the Psalms like a child who loves poetry. Does that make sense? Read the Psalms with open minds, yes, and open hearts, because the Psalms, they are heart language. And so there's something that you must know about the Psalms. One is that they're for everyone. They're not for scholars. They're not for pastors. They're not for holy. They're, they're for, for people of God to read and to sit under. That, that, that bumper video that just showed just the Psalms just teach us to meditate on the reality of God. So if you find yourself with a gap in your day and you don't know what to do, go sit in the Psalms and just read them and pray them and meditate on them. But, but what you must know about the Psalms is that there, there is an immediate reality that the psalmist is always writing about. So in our, our psalm today, a Davidic psalm. So there's, a, there's an author talking about something specifically happening in his immediate context. So we don't want to zoom past that, but it's always pointing to a greater reality. The Psalms are not just always talking about the immediate danger, the immediate angst, the immediate beauty, but there's always this messianic look, this look toward Jesus. And so in John 5, this will be on the screen, Jesus teaches something. He's talking to these religious people who read just on face value. Don't see Him. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. They think that they're having life through the Word by performing what God says in the Word instead of looking to the One who is life. But He says, it's they that bear witness about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. Jesus says the, the Scriptures bear witness about Me. They're about a person. They're about a king. In Luke 24, we'll see this again on the screen. So, so Jesus has, has risen and He's walking. And He says to, to some people, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about Me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And so the Psalms, even though you don't see Jesus' name in here, they're ultimately about a coming King. A true refuge. The Lamb who was slain. There's all of these metaphors, but, but you'll see this today in, in our psalm. So three things I just want to go through in, in Psalm 2, uh, which is a little subtitle in my deal, says the, the reign of the Lord's anointed. Uh, but you could just think this. If you get nothing else, Jesus reigns. That's what this is about. But three things. So there is a true King. We want to be King. And blessed are we when we bow down to the true King. So there is a true King. We want to be King. And blessed is He, is she who bows down to the true King. So there is a true King. I don't know if, if you know this or if you, you live like this, but if you see this reality, there is a true King with authority over all. So in verse 6, 
It says, I, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. There is this appointing of a king. And we don't know if, if this is David talking about himself or maybe David talking about his son Solomon to be king, but there is an immediate context of a king being appointed in authority, a king over Israel. But this ultimately points to Jesus. This is messianic. So there, there is a true king. And how we know that is this. In verse 7 is the coronation. It says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, this is God instituting this king. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Kings were sometimes called the lowercase s, son of God, because they were the hands and feet and mouthpiece of God. God works through kings. By the way, good, good kings and bad kings. So good politicians and bad politicians, if that gives you any comfort, God works through the rulers to carry out His will. But this, this sonship is not just that. It is, it is there is the Son of God is being anointed as King. In verse 8, it says that I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. There is no end to the territory of this King. There are no borders. There are no lines. It is boundless authority. Endless authority. Verse 9. You see this king is, is not messing around with this delegated authority. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus is, is kind but he is also ferocious. This king has the authority to enact justice and to rule. And when he does so, he is always right. There's never a mistrial. So this king, he's there. He's here. I don't know if you know this. You sit this morning under this king, under his authority. So whether you bow down to him or whether you rebel against him, you sit under his authority. And the problem is in our flesh, we are at odds with this terrifying, awesome, and boundlessly authoritative king. We're at odds with him in our flesh. Because we want to be king. I'll just say this, I want to be king. And I want you to hear this morning that you have a king Complex, And so we, we see in, in verse 1, the nations rage. Look at these verbs. The people's plot. If you're a conspiracy theorist and you watch all the little YouTube rabbit trails, you probably shouldn't do that. But you're somewhat right. Are there conspiracies? Absolutely. Because the peoples take counsel together, scheming together raging, plotting. The kings of the earth set themselves. That means we, we put ourselves in position of power so that we can do what we want. You might say, well, Brad, I don't have much power. I'm not doing that in my life. You do this. You posture. You defend. You're passive-aggressive. You're aggressive-aggressive. You manipulate. You want to set yourself in a place of authority. I remember just thinking about this, you know, not personally, but zooming out just holistically. I remember when, when 9-11 happened and I was in, in school and 
my buddy who was that guy, you know, he came and he said, we're being attacked, we're being attacked. And I'm like, okay, cool, man. And then we actually went and, and I saw what was happening and it was just sobering. Some of you may remember that moment of the nations raging, feeling that, like, like physically. In America, we've been protected from a lot of that, but just feeling that rage, plotting and violence. But, but you must experience this personally as well. What you must see, too, is, is there is this rage, but, but, but who is it against? It's against the Lord and against His anointed, in my Bible, capital A, anointed, ultimately looking to Christ, the stumbling block. What are we raging against? What are we fighting for? We're fighting to assert our authority over and against the King. Because there is a true King and His name is Jesus. Why do we do this? Verse 3. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We hate being under authority. Hate to be owned. That's what that means. That, that, that bond and that cord, it's like a yoke of ownership. And we don't like this. And so we, we buck this authority. We don't want to be told what to do. And so we go our own way. Even and especially those of us who are church folk. We just do it in our own special way. Tim Keller once said, and God rest his soul, he, he went to be with the Lord. Um, he said that, that to be a Christian, you must realize that you hate God. To be a Christian, you must realize that you hate God. Does that shock you? Does that resonate with you? Well, Tim Keller is, is not Scripture. He, he's a wise man. But, but there's two ways that we can do this. And one is just simple and it's right in front of us. It is to be a raging rebel. I saw this, this article this, this week and uh, there's this organization. It's just... It's based on sin, like literally. Their, their, uh, their motto is, you know, Jesus, he catches a woman in adultery. And, and, he, and he comes to her in compassion. And there's all these people that are about to kill this woman. And so he, he looks at them and he goes, hey, which of y'all is not a sinner? Go ahead and stone her. Go ahead. Which, which of you is without sin? And they're like, well, you know, and they start walking away. And, and as they go away, he, he, he ministers to her. And he says, now go and sin no more. You've been forgiven, but don't, don't walk like this. This organization, these raging rebels, is go and sin some more. And so maybe that is you. I don't want to talk past you. Maybe you love your sin so much. And maybe it's in secret so that no one sees you loving your sin, but you love your sin. You love your sin of power. You love your, your sexual sin. You love whatever it may be, and you love it and you're just fighting for it. Maybe that's you, but maybe maybe that's not you. And when I say that, that to be a Christian, you must realize that you hate God, you're, you're kind of like, well, <laughs> not me. There's a religious way to rebel against God too. So in, in her book, uh, Flannery O'Connor wrote a book called Wise Blood. It's a, it's a good book. There's a, a character named Hazel Motes. 
And he has this quote, or there's this quote about him. It says that there was in him this, this conviction that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. That to avoid Jesus, you, you, can, you can simply be good enough. You can be righteous enough. You can follow the Scriptures enough. Sometimes I find that I'm, I'm too busy trying to be a good man, a good person that I completely miss Jesus. That I don't fall at at the foot of the cross as someone in dire need of forgiveness, but but I stand as someone who is walking in self-made righteousness. And I hope that you see that this is rebellion against the King. I hope you see that you can be too good for Jesus. You can be too good for grace if you're trying to, to, to live your life in perfection and you're constantly worried about other people, how other people see you and you're constantly anxious. You might just be too good for Jesus. You might be a religious rebel. But in any case, the fool says in his heart that there is no God, and so we have this godlessness within us where we want to be our own God. And so we have conflict with the true king, the one who sits on the throne of heaven, and it is not okay. And so we have this anxiety because we don't have control. Do you know this? You feel this? You don't control your life at all, do you? There are so many factors acting upon your life, and, and it's frustrating, but it's true. And there's also this anxiety, this low grade anxiety that someday I'm going to pay for this. That I'm a fugitive, that some, some, someday justice will be served, and, and where will I be? It's a happy thing to bow down to the true king. Look at his response to this rebellion. Verse 4, he laughs. He laughs not because it's funny. He laughs not like this maniacal evil laugh, but he laughs because it's ridiculous. Like a gnat trying to turn over an aircraft carrier. It's ridiculous that I would set myself over and above the King of Heaven. It's a joke. So he laughs. He, verse 5, he speaks. So, so his, he opens his blessed, beautiful mouth. He does not leave rebels to, to just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep storing up wrath for yourself. Just keep going. But he speaks in terrifying ways, warning of His wrath. Verse 6, what does He do about it? He, he doesn't just leave us these little lowercase k kings. He appoints a true king for us to come under. And then in verse 10, it says, and I want you to hear this, lowercase k kings. O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. There's a warning that the good king sends out saying, bow down. The father says, bow down to my son. Serve him 
Spend your energies building His kingdom. Serve Him. Rejoice with trembling. This week, a a car accident, this car got T-boned right in front of me. I'm at a light and just bam, like out of nowhere. And it just makes you like, whoo. You ever had that experience? And you rejoice, like thank God, but also that was very sobering and, and thankfully the, they, were, they were both okay. But there's this rejoicing with trembling if you come under the king's headship and you know his wrath is terrifying, but his grace is beautiful. So you rejoice with trembling like hoo-hoo. He warns. And then he says, kiss the sun. That, that might sound like an act of affection. In, in, in these days when kings were conquered, the conquered king would come to the conquering king and you would kiss them. You would kiss the ring. It was an act of humiliating submission. Humiliating meaning coming under. God is saying, kiss the sun. Yes, show affection, but come under, submit. What He says goes. His authority in your life goes. Come under His authority and submit to Him. But, but you see, you, you should, you should, but how is this conflict resolved? How is it that traitors just become right? If you were a traitor against the United States, could you just come and just kind of bow down and be like, I'm no longer a traitor? It's like, no, there's something that must be paid. Just a few verses to just walk us through this. I just want you to just feel your way through this. Isaiah 27. This is about the redemption of Israel, of God's people. In that day, a pleasant vineyard. Sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it. Lest anyone punish it, he's protecting and cultivating his people, his vineyard. I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. No wrath for my people. Would that I had thorns and briars to battle. I would march against them. I would burn them up together. Or let them lay hold of my protection, protection of the king. And then he says, let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. Then in Colossians 1, for in him, this is Jesus the King, the Anointed, capital A, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Do you hear that reconciliation? That repair of relationship? Whether on earth or in heaven, how does He do this? Making peace by the blood of His cross. Here is a King who comes to die for His people, His rebellious, adulterous people. And the result of this is is Psalm 85, 10. You should write this down. If you write stuff down, write this down and meditate on this today. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. 
The cross is the point at which righteousness and peace kiss each other because God is perfectly righteous. He is right in his judgments. He is right in his wrath. He is right in exacting justice against rebels. And so the scales must be even. And so in order for for mercy and justice to exist at the same time, there must be a sacrifice and a payment for the rebels. And that is why Jesus came and he died and he bled. And so imagine you live next to a kingdom. It's a palatial kingdom, thousands of acres, every blade of grass perfectly manicured, fences straight. You smell Wagyu brisket wafting every day as they cook. You hear music and laughter and you see this family of people who love each other dearly and kids running and laughing. And you live in a shack. And in the back of your shack, you have built with wood that you found a little throne for yourself and you sit on that thing in sadness. And you think, this is stupid, and it is. And finally, there's a knock on your little plywood door and the king comes over and he hands you a key. He says, come in. I'm not moving out. You're moving in. Come in. Come in. Not as a guest, as a son, as a daughter. I have paid the way for you. Now come into my kingdom. And now you have all of the benefits. All of the benefits of of refuge. Refuge is not just a place of rest where you lie down and take a nap. Refuge is a bomb shelter. So if you're one of those news people who watches as the nations rage and you're freaked out all the time, like we're about to be invaded by China or this is happening, what's going on with the culture, this is... Do you know the king? Do you know that his territory is boundless? It is endless. And nothing happens that is beyond his control. And he will enact justice And if you are a part of Him, you have refuge. And you have life here and now. Yes, absolutely. You have a purpose to serve Him with fear and rejoice with trembling to live a happy and blessed life underneath His kingship. And you have life forevermore. A room in this King's house. And so this anxiety... This lack of control. I can't control my kids. What's going on with my money? What's going on with the country? Whatever it may be. I don't know. What makes you anxious? What do people think of me? The true king makes that anxiety dissipate as you see who he is. That he is not merely a Davidic king, an earthly king, a good king here and now, but he is the eternal king. The one who has bought your soul, the king who came to die for you. Are you walking underneath his kingship? Are you still sitting on your little self-made throne? Let us rejoice with trembling this morning in his presence. 
Jesus, we thank you that you have, have set yourself in authority, or, or rather that the Father has set you in authority and given you all power. That we are a people who yearns for a leader. We constantly, we want this. We find this for, for politicians or for thought leaders that we search on our YouTube feeds. We're finding, where's a voice that will lead us through this wilderness of life? Where is some hope? Where is some clarity? And Jesus, so often, we just completely miss that you're right there. And so let us be a people who repent, who come under your kingship, who lay our anxieties down at your holy and powerful feet. Let us rejoice with trembling, serve you with fear. Let us kiss you this morning in submission, in glad submission. And Holy Spirit, give us voice. May this psalm, this beautiful poem of praise have, have voice in us now as we sing expressing our adoration, expressing our submission and our joy that, that it is blessed to take refuge in you, Jesus. We love you and we bow down in your holy name, King Jesus. Amen.